close, man. Come on in, dude. Just wipe your feet on the... You can sit in the queen seat. I turned it around for Oh, cool. Thanks. That's what I collect. If your head's not too high. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number two of From the Van, a podcast where I invite friends into my van. We sit around, drink beer, and talk about their relationships with residential vehicles. Today's episode features Patrick McCormick, a good longtime friend of mine. I've known him for about 20 years. We worked in the theater's tech department and then as stagehands together in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now he lives in a fifth-wheel trailer in the floodplain of the Swannanoa River in Asheville, North Carolina, uh, which I think provides him with a great deal of freedom and also some serious complications. Um, This guy has taught me a great deal about life, about music, and about smoking weed. Uh, I'm sure that we'll have a delightful conversation. It will probably go off the rails, and you're welcome. Here is episode number two of From the Van. Follow us at From the Van on Instagram. Click the link in the bio, whatever it may be, to figure out where you ought to go to know what you need to know. Here's episode two. Patrick McCormick, I'll see you on the other side. Thank you for listening. What is the White Trash Palace? It is this 35-foot fifth wheel. Uh, which I guess can't be seen through the blocking on the front window here <laughs> that we happen to be parked outside of right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how long have you been in it? Two and a half years. What'd you pay for it? 4000 <laughs> In need of roof work, which scared a lot of people off, and uh, a few other things. What'd you need to do to the roof? What the roof probably really wants is to have um, <clears throat> the rubber membrane it's they they use either EPDM or TPO, um, have that rubber membrane taken off and plywood actually replaced, and instead I went and got a commercial like liquid latex product and just doused it. Slathered the whole the thing with that yeah. on top. In in the in the areas that were weak, someone at some point in the past backed it into something, and the divot created by that oh. started a process where like the ladder that goes up on the back one side was pulling off mm-hmm. I did get in there and replace a little bit of structure at the ladder but most of the rest of it I just I just piled more latex on top okay um okay but that so all of that's really interesting and uh oh we should say you just had like a fucking uh increasingly regular like traumatic experience the last couple of days with it mm-hmm. right what happened um, we are parked, uh, right off the Swannanoa river here in Asheville, North Carolina, and we had a flood and I sit far enough up off the ground that I have it better than a lot of folks here do folks living in the buildings. Um, but I hauled it across the street just to make sure, even though that ended up being unnecessary. Yeah. This was kind of our fourth flood scare this year. Mm-hmm. Last year we had one scare that didn't materialize the year before that. We had none, and the year before that, we had one flood that was about as bad as this last one. Okay. So it's, I haven't been here like you know six times a year freaking out. This right. This, this year was really bad. It was just an unusually wet year, maybe. Yeah, definitely. The, I, th- I think they're already saying it's the wettest year on record for our area. Oh wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay, so I have this theory, and this is one of the reasons <coughs> I want to do this podcast. This is that like, I've um, and I feel comfortable saying this to you because I think you'll cop to it. I have this theory that, uh, and you don't live in a van, but you live in a fucking very unusual setup for somebody of your like age and qualification Mm. is safe. I think, um, I think everybody who 
is doing this is interesting, but in a fucking super wide variety of ways, right? I would say that like everybody who's living in a van is a fucking weirdo, mm-hmm. but they're all sorts of different flavors of weirdo. Why are you in the fifth wheel? Um. Well, it. I had been in an apartment that I built in a little warehouse in the west side, and the little old lady who owns it, her son started dating a real estate agent, and oh. Yeah, she convinced her that she could quadruple the rent easily, and so we all got kicked out. So I needed somewhere to be overnight, and my my work schedule is is rather feast or famine, and so having something where I didn't owe a set amount of rent, I'm way more willing to make the commitment to a long-term cost that doesn't involve extremely regular increments. Uh, that and the real estate market here in Asheville is insane. Yeah. Um, if you... It's just really difficult to save money, uh, especially with a, a kind of variable scheduled career like I have. Yeah. Um, also, it you know, I really wanted to be able to live by myself, mm-hmm. whatever that looked like. And I do also really enjoy. Um, I I was I was ready to have something that was mine, but that didn't need to be, you know, the the. Freddie Mae subsidized, you know, first time <laughs> home buyers, whatnot. Um, I, I, I enjoy having, you know, the ability to figure out what, what I need to do and decide how much I'm going to do and really have only myself to blame for whatever happens. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, do you, um, so are you paying rent at this place? I am. Okay, but it's like a pretty nominal amount. It's it's a it's a low amount. It's basically for utilities. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. And like when when this place is no longer available, either because it becomes like too much of a hassle because it's uh, like flooding more regularly, or it gets sold, or something like that happens. What do you do? Do you move the f- the fifth wheel somewhere else or it depends on how long that is from now. Or it what? does depend on how long that is from now. And, um, I, the, the current plan is yes to move it somewhere else. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, what do you think about the macroeconomic implications of van life? <laughs> <laughs> uh, where to start? Wow. Um, this is a really nice van that we're sitting in. Um, I was surprised by how little you said you paid for it. Yeah, the Mercedes logo on the front like screams luxury it to does. everybody, which I think actually helps me when I park in like a uppity neighborhood. Well, this nice you young know? man's just driving a Mercedes. <laughs> it must be fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I I learned how to build here in the Southern Appalachians, and it's it's something that a lot of people. I'm, I'm going to take a little side track. I guess. go for it, dude. Um, Say whatever the fuck you want. All man. right. Uh, it's it's something that. You know, the, the construction labor market around here is is depressed even in, like, good times because you meet a doctor or an accountant. If they grew up around here, odds are they helped build something. It's, it's like, building has been a sort of democratic by force of poverty thing here mm-hmm. historically. And there's a lot of houses here that are just crap. Uh, the market doesn't notice that when they're pricing things out because of the de- desirability. Um, there's tons of stuff that hasn't been touched you know, in, in decades and decades to where lead and asbestos and this and that. And, and so I, you know, I, I, I think all the time at work about like, you know, human beings have been solving their needs for shelter with what's around them forever. Mm -hmm. And now plywood 
you know, a lot of that is coming from, you know, offshore, you know, factories in the, you know, Pacific. Uh, and when I say offshore, I mean literally in international waters to avoid certain mm-hmm. you know, regulations that they have in their home country. Um, you know, the to, to just go to your hardware store to buy lumber, not to mention the fact that that's corporately owned. I mean, so much of that is 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 trucked in from Canada, from a lot of other places. And, you know, so so what I love about about folks looking uh, to to vans, uh, to tiny houses, to whatever is is finding a way to get out of and short circuit this this insanely wasteful and kind of multinationalized industry that is construction now but it's i can't help but wonder about access you know what i mean it's like you were just telling me a minute ago about folks that had had done something similar in a much older vehicle yeah and they have um you know they have mechanical problems they have to worry about and this and that um maybe they do or maybe they keep the thing i haven't met them yet so maybe they keep the thing running like a fucking dream right i don't know so much diy stuff like i i feel like there's there's you know, you see so many clickbait articles about how like this person opted out of modern life for $5,000 and this and that. And I've had friends approach me with just like, I found the article, I found how to do this. And you know, people that I'd consider modestly intelligent or whatnot. Um, but it, it, I, I think it's great for those that can, I don't think it addresses anything systemically. And just with me showing up on a day to day basis at people's houses, it's just something that's on my mind a lot about right. where we've gotten to from finding what's on the land around you to, you know, um, softwood tariffs, Yeah, you know, and like the like ownership across international lines of like American timber mills and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, it's, um, yeah. So I, good work if you can get it, I guess would be the, the short way to sum that up. I mean, I feel like. Cause I went to this van life meetup and maybe this is what you're talking about. Maybe it's a little off base, but I feel like I go to a van life meetup in San Diego. And the wonderful thing was that there were, Oh, there were all stripes of every kind of van. Mm -hmm. And there were people, you know, who were living in their vans because they need to, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Um, And there were people who had $150,000, like somebody else built out this fucking, you know, snowbird machine for them, uh, in their retirement or whatever. And it's like this Mercedes sprinter. That's just got like everything you could possibly imagine made by a professional factory, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I do feel like a lot. And I mean, I, God knows I come from a place of tremendous privilege, you know? And like, I'm not doing this because I need to, I mean, to be very honest. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. 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 And so, well, and that's, that, that's, what's super interesting and curious to me about, about you and we're coming from very similar places. Um, but I, I, what I am hearing, I think you say is that like, you know, most of the people who live in a van that has, um, or even maybe even in tiny house that has all of the bells and whistles of like luxurious modern life, mm-hmm. those are primarily available to people who are already privileged. Right. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. so it doesn't for the people who are hurting, it doesn't provide really a super viable option for them. And sure. And, and more to the point, I don't mean to like criticize anyone who like sees a way for themselves to live better uh, and reduce their costs. 
and and also to like reduce their footprint upon resources yeah on all of all the scripts uh -huh. you know um i mean you're running a 12 volt system in here you pull out of the sun i mean that's obviously like all, all coal all power in north carolina's coal right you know so you're you're not pulling off of that but beyond that it's i i guess what i'm getting at is that it's i i support anybody who can find a creative way to to do things like that but but I don't see it being a systemic answer where I see systemic housing problems. Sure. You know what I mean? And that's maybe that's something that doesn't I, I I have never really dug into the whole van life community. Maybe there's not so much about that. I just I, I wonder it, it seems like I hear people talk about it in terms of like solving their problems and finding innovative ways to kind of unplug from from the systems that are in place and whatnot. But then I extrapolate that out to can can this address problems that we have as a society that we have as a you know I think I'm fully on board with you there. I don't think yeah. that, I don't think that I can. Well, and I mean this is I was telling you earlier is that like I'm against free public parking. <laughs> right, right. But I benefit it from it every night because I park in the fucking street almost I very rarely park on private property. Right. I'll probably stay at your place tonight, but like um, I'm almost always in a parallel parking space. And, uh, you know, if everybody started to do this, you see... So there was a Ninth Circuit decision that actually, uh, on the West Coast, came out, and I think it was in Oklahoma, that said that um, all of these no sleeping in your car overnight, no sleeping in the street, or camping in public parks overnight, all of these ordinances are unenforceable in a community unless the community has adequate shelter for adequate immediately available shelter for all of the homeless people in the community mm -hmm. and that's not a description of any Anywhere. community in the united yeah, states no, no, not or probably the world right yeah. and so like so like on the west coast at least a lot of the communities have sort of had to stop enforcing these rules um and as a result i'm seeing the most bizarre like overnight parking zones pop up it's like only 30 minute parking from 5 a.m from 2 a.m to 5 a.m but the rest of the day it's completely unregulated parking like you can park there from 5 a.m to 2 a.m but then it goes to 30 minutes for the middle of the night right and it's right. just to keep people from sleeping in the streets and so you're already seeing backlash against it especially in southern california where it's like the best place to live in a van mm -hmm. and so it's certainly not a systemic uh solution and i kind of again i haven't been digging for very long yet but i feel like this whole it solved my problems sort of situation or mm. whatever is largely like a sexy instagram talking point right. because i'm paying for 50 a month on the loan on the van and um i'm not i'm running all of my junk off of the sun but i'm also spending money on gas right. and when i take a trip i'm spending a lot of money on gas and so you know the thousand plus dollars that i would be saving i'm not actually saving because every six months i have to spend 500 dollars on insurance too you know right. and so it's like all of these things that i didn't have before as a carless person um it certainly if i was in a dire situation this would not have been the solution mm. you know what i mean um and you know especially on a massive scale i don't think so okay so Asheville is has a huge airbnb problem like tons tons and tons of the potential residential space are being rented out for god knows how regularly 
to people who are not contributing to the workforce. Four, four times as many Airbnbs as available long-term rentals. Yeah. Wow. And so, and, th- and those people are spending money, and so they're contributing to the tax base. But what it's doing is it's creating a situation where the people who work in the community can't afford to live in it, right? Yes. So absolutely. what is, in your mind, what is the solution, the long-term solution, the systemic solution to the housing problem here? What do you do? You know, there's there's been initiatives that I really support here in town to uh, limit and or ban Airbnb. Um, okay. That's been done. That's been looked at. Have been at doing uh, by neighborhood, geographically speaking. I think it was Nashville uh, has a program now where um, <clears throat> the city issues a certain number of permits, and they they've talked to Airbnb and just been like, "Look, we can litigate, or you could just help us out and not upload anyone that doesn't upload a picture of themselves holding their city issued permit." Um, you know, f- yeah, finding a, finding a way to push back against turning a town into an amusement park, right, um, is a great place to start. Um, but you know, you you kind of got to like go a little far off the left deep end to, to get into a whole lot more than that. Um, you know, I mean, it, I th- it, to my knowledge, it'd be completely unprecedented to start having rent control in a city of our size. Um, right. But having some kind of correlation to what the actual wages are, because yes, people come here and spend money to businesses that are by and large almost entirely owned outside of town. Mm-hmm. You know, so that money kind of passes through here. Right. And even before so much a tourist business base popped up, when it was just uh, where people wanted their second mountain home, you know, a, a lot of that real estate money did the same thing. It mm-hmm. kind of just cycled through. I don't have an answer about what to do. You know, I mean, there's. Well, do you have an answer about what to do about the systemic housing shortage? Because uh, we're just talking about Airbnb right now. Right. Right. I mean, because I live in a place that's got a completely different demographic and a completely different, like, we're, we're, like, way more built out in terms of, like, local, regional, like, footprint. You know what I mean? Like, you go within, you go in the city that I live in and there's, like, a few parcels that could even have anything built on them because everything's already built on. Right. Um, and we're uh, tremendously unaffordable, like probably about the same as Asheville. Mm-hmm. And uh, the state's actually coming down on us because we don't have enough affordable housing in town. And, um, you know, of course, the community's fighting about it because the people who've lived there forever don't want, you know, more development and they don't want more traffic and blah, 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 blah. Um, and I have my ideas, but do you see do you see something that Asheville could do to create affordable housing for the masses? <coughs> Aside from kicking the tourists out, <laughs> I I mean I, I I I guess I feel like it would take some kind of drastic action. Whether whether you're going to talk about uh, having some kind of subsist- subsidized purchase of the actual dirt for people that commit to build affordably priced housing. Um, <coughs> I I have wanted for a long time to um, take what I've learned and my tools like down into lower income areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of lower income areas out in the rural areas, I mean, they those skills they grow up with, you know, so it's more lower income urban areas. Uh, and, and try to find a way to just uh, help folks get a little bit more knowledge and be able to kind of uh, take the lead on identifying problems in their home, um, uh, you know, 
simple like retrofits and stuff like that. That's kind of shifting the responsibility in a rental housing market to the consumer, which it shouldn't be that way. I mean, it, right. it could be a tangible, um, you know, it could be of tangible benefit to people, but that's, it's not, it's, it's, it's kind of like, well, if the system's not going to work for me, I guess I'm going to have to do something because theoretically you ought to be able to call when you have inadequate housing. I mean, there is a hotline set up. This is something that gets sure. addressed, you know, but then the retaliation in the face of that. Mm -hmm. um, well, okay. So you, you build houses. This is sort of, uh, my solution, my idea for my solution in my community may not be financially viable there. And I wonder, because just because you know what the raw costs are and stuff, if it would be financially viable here. So you have all these, you have these stories, these old stories about like, you know, projects in these old big cities, Chicago and all this stuff where they like stuffed a whole bunch of poor people piled on top of each other out a little bit out of town. And it turned into this like gnarly ghetto or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and there were government subsidized projects and stuff. What if you permitted, allowed a developer to build a for-profit development, but limited the footprint of each of the um, of each of the spots such that it's not um, they're going to be they're going to be small apartments mm -hmm. right and you permit several stories and a couple of hundred or 50 or 100 or 200 apartments but none of them are going to be greater than two bedrooms. You force them to build a volume. Yeah. Right. Is that, could you build that and make money for a developer with that? Would it sell non-luxury small friend? footprint apartments apartments uh, here, that people like you yeah, and no, me no. with a girlfriend or young wife or whatever would actually live here in. here absolutely i i think i think folks would be into it um i i think the difficulty is i mean when you get into multifamily, there's it's 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 more complicated to build multifamily than it is uh single family unfortunately um so from a regulatory perspective or from a from a like logistics code compliance okay. like there yeah there, there are different codes and whatnot in it and having to think out um you know especially if you're talking about the sort of units where they're sharing heating systems uh whether it's you know i mean i don't think there's a whole lot of new construction with boilers anymore but just the um <clears throat> a friend of mine lives yeah in a uh in a in a place here where they're you know she's kind of the last in line on the heating system and there are problems with that so it kind of all the above there, but I, I think, I think the difficult uh, thing there is going to be selling um, developers and real estate agents and large contractors uh, who tend to have more of a voice in the city, you know, on something that is a higher effort and probably lower return mm -hmm. prospect. So much of what turns money here is the dirt. You know, I mean, just the, getting any real estate to start building anything on is is what is so catastrophically expensive here. Right. It's not, it's not like we're living somewhere where like you know the 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 wage base for the construction industry is so terribly high, or that we're so remote it's difficult to get materials here. It, it's it's really driven from what I see by the dirt itself. Yeah, and so. If you force them to sell more units on a smaller amount of dirt, it seems to me like a lot of them might view it as 
yeah, just a, uh, uh, more challenging, more headaches uh, for a lower margin. Right. And now, I'm not defending that in terms of like, well, I mean, we have to look out for the developer's financial interest. Right, right, right. But, right, but it's, right, I, right. I think getting that passed, I mean, would be tricky. But I think, yeah, folks would definitely go for it. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, this has been very serious so far. What, what do you hate about the White Trash Palace? What do, okay. <laughs> um, there, uh, there are so many lights all the way around. Cheers. Um, I thought I had caught all the leak stuff. I found out when I had to pack out to get out of the way of a flood, I hadn't. Mm. Yeah. Um, the dumbest design point in there is that uh, it's propane heat and the heater unit is underneath the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So what, what happened? Did it roll out or what? No, it, it's it's just that, uh, you know, you've got your heat source underneath the point inside that's supposed to be the cold, <laughs> the cold spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, they couldn't even go with it above at least to keep yeah, the heat yeah. from... Yeah. Uh, the carpet. I despise the fucking carpet. I... God, I gotta find this article, but this was so funny to me. I was reading about, like, uh... <laughs> God, I gotta find this fucking article. Uh, if... I was, I was reading a list of things. It was like, uh, everybody's talking shit about the millennials, but here's a list of things that the baby boomers fucked up for all of us. <laughs> and there were a bunch of very legitimate points. And then it was like, carpet on all the floors. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, why did we carpet over all of this beautiful hardwood? You know, <laughs> And that's been like, every time I move into a place and it's got fucking carpet, I'm just like, it's a, it you feel gross. And You want to know carpet in the toilet room really it was the first thing i did when i bought it was was get in there with an exacto and gloves <laughs> and i'm mean, gonna just out. rip this shit out uh -huh. that was i i didn't yeah that was bad gnarly um, you know it's and it's got it's it's got more of a benefit in something like what i'm dealing with for two reasons one I, you know keeping the floor a little bit warmer yeah um but two the slide outs because i've got you know that the the portions the rooms mm -hmm. that actually will slide out I'm a little nervous to take the carpet out and I don't want to add the weight of, you know, hardwood and going with oh, like right. an engineered or a click floor. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm kind of wondering how it's going to handle when those slide outs Moving, roll up yeah. and onto, you know, it's the first time I close it. Like, am I going to completely destroy the floor? Is it going to just kind of wedge up and yeah. jam the slide out? Uh -huh. You know, so I, yeah, it's, I, I, I mean, I get it. Like, keeping warmth and like covering those seams where the slide outs close. But it's, yeah, that's something that I definitely hate about the white trash. Palace. What do you love about it? Oh man. It's the perfect amount of space. I mean, for me to feel, um, I mean, for me living by myself, um, you said 450 square feet. I've lived in tons of places smaller than that. Yeah. It, it's, it's over 400. Like with all the slide outs expanded, it's over 400, less than 450. Mm. Um, yeah, I, it's, you know, I, it's, I don't feel a lot of times like I'm in some sort of like alternative living situation. I feel like I just have a like one bedroom apartment that I love that. Oh, wait, if I need to, it moves. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, when I walked in there, I felt like, oh, this is what tall people feel like, <laughs> <laughs> especially in those little slide outs. Because I was like, oh, this is this is cute. It's it's small. It's it, that hasn't bothered me. I you know, I mean, uh -huh. The, uh, I mean, I can stand all the way upright in most of, in the, yeah, the wide majority of it. And so ducking my head 
as I go into a slide out or, you know, and the bed has a comparatively low head clearance, but that, that doesn't bother me. You know I mean? I'm, I'm laying down uh, at that point. Oh my God. The mirrors that I, I, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of got a seventies, like sleazy aesthetic with like that carpet. But then also, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, I the, didn't see the mirrors. So did, did you go in the bedroom? Uh, only, I just stuck my head in there. I didn't look around past the bed. Okay. I, it's it's more closet space than I've ever had in my life. Awesome. The whole eight foot width of the ass of it yeah. is is two huge closet doors that's um, you know floor to ceiling, uh, but they're they're entirely faced in mirror. Okay. Um, and so I mean that's you know I enjoy that. It, it's kind of crazy that the the cabinets in there are actual all like solid oak weird it's not oak faced plywood uh -huh. it's not like plywood with oak face frames is it's, it because it's older how old is it uh it is it's just over 20 years old it's 96 okay um which i you know it's 96 travel supreme i you know and I, I i jokingly call it the white trash palace uh someone else that used to live here uh would refer to this whole yard that we're parked in as sunnydale because it's it it kind of was the florida retiree royalty <laughs> you know, brand new, I think fifth wheels of that size cost in the neighborhood of $70,000, I think. Dang. Yeah. But it being 22 years old and everyone being terrified of roof work. Yeah. And it having like, oh, the wallpaper's abysmal. <laughs> and the paint job that the previous owners did over it. But it's got like actual Luon. Back when Luon, you know, speaking of unsustainable building processes, <laughs> had actual mahogany species in it. Uh huh. I used know. to build skate ramps out of that. Shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah and like we were like as a society, we're using that shit for tile underlayment or uh -huh. carpet underlayment. Like you know, uh -huh. like um, yeah. But there's actual Luon on the walls. I keep meaning to steam and take off the wallpaper. Mm -hmm. But it's you know, yeah. The, the it's it's like. In the 90s this really does feel a little bit more like 1973 yeah on the design that's aesthetic. what i thought yeah yeah I, I expected it to be way older than that i guess i need a disco ball in there yeah dude. <laughs> yeah just a small one yeah you know, i don't want to hit my head on it or anything. <laughs> yeah. uh what so what what is what's next what's after the fifth wheel what are you gonna do i don't know i mean i don't i i i've I, I had this fantasy from the, like when I was little to be able to build a place to live from the ground up. I always wanted to do that, but it would take so long and it would require me not spending so much money, but living without a job for so long <laughs> that I wouldn't be ever be able to afford to do it. And this was like the reason, one of the main reasons that I jumped on this project, I was like, I want to, uh, yeah, dude, I can yeah. build a fucking living space and it's only going to cost me, you know, whatever, 500 bucks a month. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Have and you built I, tiny houses. Uh, I have, I have never built a tiny, like uh -huh. up on wheels before. Right. You know? Um, I've built structures of those sizes. Uh, -huh. uh, in fact, the two houses I'm building right now, this is kind of what I was getting at is I, I, you know, when I first bought this, I thought like, you know, someday I'll live in this while I slowly you take it to where you're going to move into exactly and build the thing. Right. Dope. But the, the two houses I'm building now, one of them has only a 360 square foot footprint. Okay. And the other one's footprint is what? 550 square feet ish mm -hmm. thereabouts. Are they multiple stories? Uh, one of them is two stories. Yes. And then the other one's kind of a story and a half. Where are they? Uh, they are outside of Mars Hill. 
Okay. Um, which is about 45 minutes away from here. Oh, okay. Yeah. The is day- that country? I don't know where Marshall is. Yeah, it's, um, it, it is it is north of Asheville here, further into the mountains. It's in it's in Madison County, which is the wild, wild west of North Carolina. Okay. Um, for, for a number of reasons. But yeah, it's it's country. She's up at the top of the holler. Okay. Between Mars Hill and, and Marshall. Um, but yeah, the, both of those structures, I mean, it, you know, I think uh, the the footprint for my freaking fifth wheel is about the same size as one of those as two those houses. Buildings, yeah. yeah, this is this is eight by thirty five when it's closed down, and the smaller of those two houses is, I guess it's twelve by thirty. So why are they building so small? You know, is it um, up against something else, or they just didn't need a lot, and they have a bunch of land, or they don't have much land, or they're building in somebody else's land? They've got eight and a half acres. <laughs> um, they just bought it. Um, and the lay of the land is not incredibly ideal to build. Is it hilly? Uh, yes. And the main house, uh, is, is kind of on drain swale. It's, it's, you know, the, the cup of the holler, uh-huh. all the water runs down there. Okay. So all the silt deposit, it's not well packed earth. Uh-huh. Um, we had to dig enormous footers for that just to spread the load out. And then, yeah, there's, there's just not a ton of flat land. And they also just kind of felt like. They, they wanted the sort of efficiency uh, as well as the aesthetic of having tinies. And, you know, one of them is uh, uh, the client um, who's, who actually is the contractor of record. It's, it's an owner build that I'm project managing for mm-hmm. her. Um, and she, you know, that house is one bedroom. She's fanatically insistent that, like, that's all she wants. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, you know, she's in her 40s and feels like she knows herself well enough and is set enough in her ways that she wanted something that's comfortable for her and her cat. And then the other one, um, she's building for her niece. It's the same woman. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But she's building it for her niece that she's really close to slash when her niece, uh, feels the need to go wander the world, you know, as a, as a rental secondary. Yeah. Kind of, uh, kind of thing. Cool. Are you putting, so I, like I was telling you earlier, like, I don't know anything about, most of the stuff I had to do to build this thing uh, out. But I'm so fascinated with solar. And my buddy Chad, um, who works at Surfrider, told me that he used to have... And he was running off of regular old electrical and everything. But DC is so much more efficient. Mm -hmm. He said he had a DC refrigerator in his house in Laguna Beach that was... The size of a normal refrigerator, but it had so much insulation that it was um, smaller on the inside than a normal household refrigerator. And he said that for because you don't pay for heating and air conditioning in Southern California for the most part, right. that their um, their electrical bills were like eight dollars a month for a while while they wow. had this. And then they had two boys who turned out to be like athlete surfer dudes who eat a shit ton of food and so they had to get a regular refrigerator and stuff and now they're living the normal like like but when he told me that and i realized how little power i'm actually like i'm generating like an overkill amount of power for this van but on the scale of like living in a house i'm not generating any power but i can still run a blender and a tea kettle and all of that stuff um and it really sort of put in perspective for me if you created a super efficient system, how achievable like actual solar power is? Are you putting solar on any of these things? Unfortunately, no. She, um, all, all of the utilities are, well, I shouldn't say all the utilities. Um, the, she's hooking into the grid. 
Okay. She doesn't. She doesn't really have the sunlight exposure. Okay. On the smaller house, she could put panels up, um, but she also wants to make use of what little flat and and therefore sunny land she has for gardening. Okay. To do that pretty extensively. Um, yeah. So she she is just tied into the grid, which is an electrical co-op out right. there, um, which is pretty common in rural places. Mm-hmm. Her water is a gravity-fed spring. So she's oh, right. she's kind of off the grid in that sense. Is that why she chose to be down in the bottom of the holler? Uh, well, or it's related to it. It's you know, I guess where her well is, that is, yeah, she couldn't go way too much further up. Mm-hmm. But then again, going further up, you get into building on stilts. Just when you're on steep slopes, it's a lot more destructive. Uh, just to the the environment because you have to anchor the house like super deep into the dirt. Yeah. Or rock or whatever it is. Yeah, and you and you know, just being able to get up to and to work up you know, up steep slopes. I mean, my God, it has been a mud pit out there for months. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we my crew chief and I keep guesstimating what's our lost efficiency percentage to mud. Mm-hmm. You know, uh and I I think <laughs> we're up to guesstimating about sixty percent. We're moving sixty percent slower. And that's without going further. You know, so at that point you're either carving a new road that's going to have to ribbon back and forth to get up there or you're just losing so many hours in the day to trying to trek up a hill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's something else great about, about situations like this, like your van. Um, it, and people even talk about this with some modular houses, um, the newer style modular that being able to do this in a controlled environment makes it vastly more efficient Mm -hmm. not only on your time but on materials and everything Mm -hmm. else like building not having to like build out in the elements out on the land way out in the middle of nowhere yeah 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 that lady we ran into today who was like van life's a lot harder on the east coast i'm interested in that perspective because i live in a place where like i do i go to the i go to the beach top parking lot and make breakfast there Mm -hmm. with the sliding door and both of the back barn doors open yeah. every day. And if I had to be in here working with like only the natural light from the windshield and the windows up front on a regular basis for a few months a year, I would get seasonal affective disorder. Sure. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, it's, it, it, you know, I, I, I tell people I would neither know how to build uh, in, in the Pacific Northwest where you don't have Southern yellow pine, right. where it's all like super soft woods. I wouldn't know how to build in Alaska under those snow loads. And I wouldn't know how to build in Florida with those hurricane loads without having to kind of go back to design basics. Completely. Yeah. And so when, when you were talking just a second ago about like, you know, the efficiency of systems and this and that, my mind immediately went to, uh, the degrees of, of air barriers and insulation that we're trying to attain. Mm-hmm. And the great lengths I'm going to, to try to keep moisture from getting into the houses Mm -hmm. because one of my two clients has some health issues for which mold is a real serious problem. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's not an option. And that's common as hell around every house has mold. It's super wet. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, you know, yeah, this is a soaking wet climate. And the summers can get really hot and the winters can get cold. I mean, it's, it's moderate on the scale of looking from Maine to Florida, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we, we get more extremes than a lot of other places and it's just so wet constantly. Right. Cause Maine doesn't get hot. 
Right. If Florida doesn't get cold. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd be curious if you stuck around here for a while, like all the, the, the holes drilled in the roof. Don't even talk to me about that, dude. <laughs> You're giving me fucking fever dreams right now. Dude, I... Look, <laughs> the anxiety There are so have... many fucking holes drilled in this thing. <laughs> like, and then, like, there's this stuff... So there's this stuff called, um... Oh, if you did rooftop shit on the, uh... White Trash Palace, you might be able to condescend to me about this. Um, <laughs> I can so, condescend to you about anything. I'm sure that you can. I promise. Man. I got you. Um, so, I read all these things, and I was one of those dudes who was just sort of like, oh, I read a fucking, I read a tutorial. Now I'm going to drill it all in the top The of internet it. said I could build my van for $2,000. <laughs> I drilled I drilled 24 holes in the top of a Mercedes <laughs> van. <laughs> right? But like... Um, you know, I read about I read about this dude who like swears that you can glue solar panels, like even the rigid ones like I have. You know, they make f totally flat ones that are like um, flexible and those have their own technological problems and all of that. But for a lot of reasons, they're preferable to the rigid ones. But the rigid ones are more efficient and blah, blah, et cetera. And so, but some people um, put a rack up and then affix their solar panels to the rack. Mm -hmm. um, and then you don't have to put a whole bunch of holes in the roof, right? Mm -hmm. You just have to put the gland hole basically in the roof to get the, the power yeah. down into right. it. <clears throat> and then I'm at a couple of, I, I go talk to this guy at an RV store in the middle of fucking nowhere in California. And he's like, you used silicone on top of your roof? Well, it was your first time, you know, like super condescending to me um, <laughs> because there's this stuff called self-leveling lap sealant mm -hmm. that people swear by. And everybody who thinks it's the best thinks it's absolutely the best. I haven't had any leakage at all in this so far, which is fucking... How many rains of, days of rain have you had in Southern California? Wonderful. Well, not a lot, right. but I've had sleet in northern central california and then i've had a bunch of a considerable number not a shit ton but like a considerable number of days of rain across going across the country mm -hmm. um and everything's cool so far did you say it was an rv shop where the guy gave you shit about that yeah it was one of those it was one of those camper shops oh okay first of all anything they have in there is at least two and a half times what you can buy it for. I mean, like way more. Yes, the internet's cheaper to buy things on Patrick, but I mean, like vastly more so. The brick and mortar versus, um, that. But those are specialty products that you know the the self leveling is kind of nice. But I mean, you can squish a caulk gun down in there. Yeah. The the reason I think that that they really push that is because so many uh, campers of all sizes. Uh, have switched to having EPDM and TPO roofs. So it's a rubber membrane so that as you're bouncing down the highway, you know, it's it's got give to it. Uh -huh. And silicone's completely not compatible with those materials. Those materials are extremely fickle about what they will and will not be corroded by. Mm -hmm. And so I, th that's one big point with that market is that self-leveler, it doesn't matter what the material is. It is safe for pretty much anything camper roofs are made out mm -hmm. of. Um you know, the worst thing about silicone is it collects dirt and you can't paint it or wash it. Right. It, it, it will. Well, I don't give a shit about what my roof looks exactly. like as long as it doesn't yeah. leak. You no, know? I mean, no, silicone's, silicone's a fine product for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's actually a really strong adhesive. Uh, Jay told me that they, when he was doing uh, stone countertops, they used to set the undermount sinks 
with just silicone, hmm. with no hardware. And then uh, they'd come back the next day after having let it set up, and he could stand in it. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you kind of got the added benefit of you're helping to anchor everything down there. Uh-huh. As far as just setting them with adhesives, do you know what adhesives they were saying? Some sort of 3M, like, crazy strong stuff. And the dude was like, the, and this is just one or two articles that I was reading, but the dude was like, I stuck all my solar panels to the top of the van with this 3M, 3M adhesive, and then I drove it under some cable or something that ripped one of them off of the van. And he's like, and it would have ripped it off even if it wasn't on there. If it was in there with well nuts or whatever, like actually bolted to the fucking roof, it right. would have ripped it out too. And then it would have destroyed my roof or whatever. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so the guy fucked up, you know? <laughs> yeah. And he got in less trouble with his fuck up than he would have gotten if he had done what I did. But I'm also not planning on driving my van under a giant fishing hook. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like so like I don't I really don't know the answer. The one thing that my friend Paul, who's an engineer, said to me that's been haunting me for the last few months is that silicone doesn't stick to itself. Is that true? Uh in reapplying a second coating. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it, it is kind of fickle about that. So what do I got to do when I want to reinforce it? I need to cut all of the silicone oh, off yeah. and redo it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I can do that. Um, I'm not super scared about that. Yeah. Um, it was your first time, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be okay, buddy. Yeah. Just buy another van. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the thing I've been telling myself is that there's this company in California called Sportsmobile. There are a few companies around that do it, but that's the closest one to me, I think. But they do the whole like Westphalia pop top mm. adjustment to this van, right? Oh, wow. So you can get a pop top. The reason that I told myself I can't have a pop top is because I want to sleep in cities that are adverse to van life. Right. And so I want my shit to be as Stealth. low profile yeah. as possible. And so I don't want a pop top, but if the roof starts corroding, I might yeah, get them to put one in. I don't need the roof then. Yeah. Right? Just get them to build a pop top on top. That's my contingency plan. Although it's expensive as fuck. I imagine it would be. Yeah. yeah. To get them to do that. But it adds value to the van. So, you know, whatever. Um, and I think this thing will run a long time as long as I don't uh, hit the gas and it just drives me into the, <laughs> fucking, <laughs> the giant bus that's coming yeah. the other way. You know? It was a little scary. <laughs> it was kind of scary, mm -hmm. dude. I'm pretty sure I didn't do that, dude. I got Tourette's of the foot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. What, what haven't we covered tonight? Mm, I mean, there's plenty we have <laughs> But what what's appropriate for your vlog that we have? I don't know how. With? I don't know how long. Oh fuck, it's a long time. Yeah. Yeah, we should probably call it. All right. Uh, that's it. I told you it was going to be a disorderly conversation, and we delivered. Thank you so much for listening to the second episode of From the Van at From the Van on Instagram, featuring Patrick McCormick. Um, just in case you're wondering, we did finish the bottle of scotch. Everybody made it home okay. I just basically have to lay down, and Patrick stumbled through the mud into his fifth wheel. The White Trash Palace. Uh, thanks again for li listening. Really appreciate your presence if you made it this long. And we will see you next time at From the Band.